Well, good evening, guys. How's everybody doing tonight? All right, good. I know you're doing well. His nephew got called up to the Kansas City Royals and pitched his first inning this evening. I mean, just like an hour ago. And I don't know if he's still pitching, but uh, struck out two guys. So I know he's really excited right there. Do what? Well, the second inning, somebody got a home run off of. But you know what? We're not counting that inning, okay? We're just going to cheer the first inning. So but I, know, I know he's excited. So, hey, let me ask you a question before we get started. How many of you... And maybe I'm just in a boat by myself. How many of you are tired? How many of you are maybe a little beyond tired? You're just weary. I'll just be honest with you. I fell asleep reading through this stuff this afternoon that I was getting ready. I was sitting at my desk. I was in the middle of reading through and just making sure my notes were in order and everything. And then I just woke up towards the end of it. So... I said, boy, I'm struggling. So I had to get up and take a walk around the church and just pray a little bit because if I sit down and pray, I'm going to fall asleep. So I'm just going to ask the Lord to bless us tonight. And, you know, I, I, I really believe that the Lord wants to say something to us tonight. I really do. Um, I'm really encouraged by this passage of Scripture, and I'm really excited about where we are tonight. But uh, I also know that the devil wants to distract us and uh, he really didn't want us to learn anything. And so I'm just going to ask the Lord to protect us, protect our minds tonight, and uh, just to re-energize us and excite us and then speak to us through his word. So let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you that you love us. Lord, thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Lord, I thank you that we don't have to rely on Sunday's message or yesterday's time with you, Lord, but we can wake up each morning and we can spend time with you and you can refresh us. And Lord, I know I'm not in a boat by myself. I know there's a lot of guys in this room tonight that are tired and maybe weary. And Lord, I just pray that you'll just bless them. I pray you'll encourage them. I pray you'll fill them up. I pray you'll give them energy. And Lord, I do pray because I know oftentimes it's when we get tired and weary that the devil throws a lot of thoughts in our minds. I pray you'll bind him I pray he'll have no place in our minds or hearts. I pray he's not welcome here in this place. We speak the name of Jesus over this building. And Lord, I just pray you'll rest upon this place tonight. I pray you'll speak to us directly from your word. And Lord, I thank you for David. I thank you for the example he is. Lord, I thank you that although he wasn't perfect, you still used him. And so Lord, I know these guys would say the same. We're not perfect. Lord, I know I'm not per perfect. Lord, thank you for the example we have in David that even in our imperfection, Lord, you can use us. And so, Lord, tonight I pray you'll draw us to yourself. I pray you'll encourage us. And, Lord, we just want to say we love you, and we thank you for the time that you're giving us together tonight. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Well, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 17 in just a couple verses. By the way, next week we're going to be in 1 Samuel 17. We're going to look at the entire fight between David and Goliath, what led up to that and all that. But right here in the middle of the story about David and Goliath, we find kind of a story that happened before that. And I challenge you to read this, and maybe you did, maybe you didn't, that's okay because we're going to look at it together. But basically, um, David has already said, look, I'll fight him. And Saul has come to him, and here's what Saul says. He says, but Saul replied, you can't go fight this Philistine." You're just a youth, and he's been a warrior since he was young. So keep in mind, Saul's thinking logically. He's looking at this little kid. 
He's looking at, uh, at, uh, at the, the Philistines, looking at Goliath, and he's saying, this is not going to work. He said, you're, you're a kid. He's a warrior, and he's been a warrior since he was a kid. Verse 34, David answered Saul, your servant has been tending his father's sheep. Whenever a lion or a bear came and carried off a lamb from the flock, I went after it, struck it down, and rescued the lamb from its mouth. If it reared up against me, I would grab it by its fur, strike it down, and kill it. Can we just stop and just for a moment here and just say, this is a man right here, okay? Now, he was a kid, but this is a man, okay? They don't make them like this anymore. We got kids that won't get beside the, the fence at the zoo because they're afraid of what's on the other side of it, okay? And he, he's grabbing them by the fur and taking them down. Your servant has killed lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Then David said, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. I I love this story, and I think it's fascinating because I kind of get a sense when I read this that David almost looks at Saul like, this is really not a big deal. I mean, first of all, this guy's spitting in the face of God. God, God's not going to stand for that. And then secondly, I mean, I've already taken down a lion and the bear. Now, one of the things that David knows right off the bat is it's the strength of the Lord. David knows he's not doing this. And we see that because David says it here. He said, it is the Lord who rescued me. David knows he did not do that, right? He knows it was the Lord. But it's just interesting because I think it was almost, in a way, it was kind of like, are you serious? This is really not that big of a deal. I can't believe your soldiers who you've been training. I mean, let's think about this. Some of these men under Saul's command had been training for a moment like this their entire lives. And yet because of the stature of the man, they were fearful. Now, I don't know about you, but there's all kinds of things in our lives oftentimes that we're fearful of. Now, we don't like to admit it. So I'm going to admit one fear to you. I only have one fear. I'm, I'm a little claustrophobic. I don't like tight spaces, but I, I can do it if I have to. But I have one fear. And it's been a struggle for me since I was three years old. My mom and dad gave me a Bible that had pictures in it. You know, one of those children's Bibles? And I opened it to the story of Adam and Eve, and when I saw that serpent, I was scared to death. I took a roll of duct tape, and I taped it over that serpent right there on page number four of my story Bible as a child. I have been deathly afraid of snakes ever since. I have an uncle who's so scared of snakes, and I resonate with him well. I mean, I, I, I'm like, that, that's me. I have an uncle one time, we were in his, in his front yard, we were going to move some wood that was up against the house. It was my uncle, it was me, I was about nine years old, and it was his son who was about five years old. My uncle Gene reached down, picked up a piece of wood, and underneath it was just a garden snake. I mean, this is not, you know, this is not going to kill you, right? He pushes the five-year-old towards the snake and takes off running in the opposite direction. That's fear, gentlemen. Can I, that's fear right there, okay? I'm about right there, okay? Now, I'm not saying I'm going to throw one of my kids to it, but I'm, I'm a little fearful. You know, there's a lot of things that we would not want to admit to it, but I'm just telling you right now, the devil and the culture is coming at us with everything we've got. I talked to a guy last Thursday who said, Derek, he said, my daughter came home from school, and one of her school friends, it's a girl, told her today that she no longer likes boys, she likes girls. He said, my little girl looked at me and said, what do I do? 
And he said, I'm scared to death. I don't know what to say. I don't know where to point her. I don't know what to take. I'm telling you, there's all kinds of things that we're facing that we don't even like to talk about. And there's fear running rampant. And what I want to say to you tonight is, is we do not have to stand in fear. Because Jesus Christ has already had the victory on the cross. And so what I want us to do is look at a couple things tonight about David, what he walked through, and how we can implement them into our own lives. Before we start into that portion of it, I want us to answer the question. Because what I think is interesting is, is David is getting ready to go fight Goliath, but he points Saul back to something he's already walked through. So I want you to think about this before we answer this question or work through this question is, I believe God takes us through things in order to get us ready for things that are coming, oftentimes. You see, each morning, well, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, my wife and I get up at about 4.15, we get dressed, we go to the gym, we're there about 4.45, 4.50 in the morning, we work out for about an hour and 10 minutes, then we get in our car and we drive home. By the time we get home, our children have woken up, so now it's about 6 to about 10 after 6, they've woken up, they've gotten dressed, and we are outside waiting on them to where our family runs a mile, and then our kids are working on their basketball skills. They're all playing basketball for the homeschool organization here in Memphis, and they're working hard. So about two weeks ago, we were running, and I told my boys that I was running with, especially my younger one, I said, we're going we're gonna to try to get our mile down a little bit today. We're going to try to run it just a little bit quicker. Not a lot. We're going to try to shave off about 15 seconds off the mile. That's it, 10 to 15 seconds. Well, we got about three-fourths of the way through, and I look back, and Joe is holding his side, and he's running sideways. Now, Joe is uh, nine years old. He's getting ready to turn 10. He's running sideways, and he's going, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And what I reminded him was, what we're doing is we're preparing for March. Because you see, the second week of March, the homeschool, all the homeschool teams in the country meet in Springfield, Missouri for the National Homeschool Basketball Tournament. And I said, Joe, what I want you to understand is keep running because we're preparing for that. We're getting ready for it. We're preparing right now. That's months away. I know it's hard to think that way, but what I want you to understand is we're going we're gonna to walk through pain today in order to have victory tomorrow. That's what we're going to do. We're going to have pain today in order to have victory tomorrow. It's preparation. I believe God prepares us for things in the future. I don't know what it all looks like. Sometimes we can't see it coming. Sometimes we may be able to see some of it coming, and sometimes we never even realize that what we're walking through, God may have prepared us for 20 years ago. But I believe with all my heart, David walked through this thing with the lion and the bear, and it was in preparation for Goliath coming. So here's what I want you to discuss. How did the lion and the bear prepare David for Goliath? How did the lion and the bear prepare David for Goliath? Take a few minutes, discuss it at your table. Ready, set, go. All right, guys, let's... If you heard something really good at your table, uh, maybe it was really profound or it was just, it was just good, uh, somebody yell something out. Did you discuss anything really good? I heard a yeah. That's not helpful. <laughs> that didn't narrow it down at all. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if, if you heard something good at your table in regards to this, how God used this to prepare him to fight Goliath. Okay, he's, uh, let me say it in case you couldn't hear him. David had already been put in impossible situations where he had to completely rely upon the Lord and not himself. 
So, yeah, excellent, excellent, really good. Yeah, after fighting a wild am- animal, man seems insignificant. Yeah, yeah, that's, 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 that's true, yeah. Amen. He remembered things that brought glory to the Lord in his life. Amen. That's good. That's good. Well, here's the deal. Um, I think we go through all kinds of things, and what I want to call them is storms tonight. Now, I'm not saying that fighting the, the, the lion and the bear was a storm, um, per se, but I do think we walk through things oftentimes, and so what we're going to do is we're going to call it a storm, okay? Uh, I'll give you a quote at some point. I think it's a little bit later on, but Dr. Rogers used to say, you're either in the middle of a storm you're headed into a storm or you're coming out of a storm. So, you know, if you're in the middle of it, hang on. You can get through it, okay? God, God will carry you through. If, if you're getting ready to head into a storm, I'm sorry. If you're getting ready to come out of the storm, celebrate and praise the Lord. But the reality is we're all going to walk through stuff, and we all do walk through things. And I'm going to share in just a little bit two different storms that I've walked through in my life. But I think that when David walked through these things, they were probably um, in some ways scary for him. There were probably some fear that he had to walk through when he was dealing with a lion and a bear. But sometimes when you're young, you don't know what you don't know. Because when I tried to explain to my three- and four-year-old back when they were younger uh, that the stove is really hot, they don't understand that because they've never experienced really hot. But the first time one of them got really close to a fire and said, that's really hot, they had an understanding of what that meant, and therefore they would listen to me in the future. And so there's some ways that maybe he wasn't that fearful, but the reality is he walked through a difficult situation, and one might even say, as BJ said, an impossible situation. So I want us to see three things tonight that the storms of preparation can do. Now here's the bottom line. We walk through storms sometimes, and we rely completely on ourselves. And oftentimes we fall flat on our face. Sometimes we personally, or we see this in other people, they walk through storms, and they don't go towards the Lord, they go away from the Lord. You ever seen that happen? My, my, my wife's dad died when she was 10 years old, and, and, her, and her, older, her oldest brother died when she was 17, and there was other family members. The Lord was there for all of them. My wife through some mentoring and stuff from some people, went towards the Lord. There were other people in her family that went through the exact same situation that went away from the Lord. And so I think the storms can bring certain things into our lives, but we'll see. So here's the first thing I want you to see. The storms of preparation can give you spiritual confidence. Spiritual Confidence. Now, I want to make sure that we understand what we mean by confidence. I'm not saying arrogancy. I'm not saying pride. I think there's a difference between pride and confidence. Now, I think in some ways there can be a fine line there. But I think there's a difference. I think you can be confident without being arrogant and prideful. David was not confident in himself. What does Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tell us? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understandings in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths David nowhere in here said I can do this I can do this I can do this now he did say I fought against a bear and a lion but he goes right back into the next couple verses and said it is because the Lord delivered me nowhere did he say I was strong enough nowhere did he say I was quick enough nowhere did he say he was smart enough he said that it was the Lord who had delivered him 
And so David realized it wasn't on his own accord. And so when he gets to Goliath, when he gets to this situation, he has a spiritual confidence in the Lord because he has already seen the Lord work. And here's the reality. When you see the Lord work and you know what the Lord can do, you can have a different confidence walking into a situation. That doesn't always make it easier. It doesn't, it's not always peaches and cream. It can be very difficult. But you can walk in with a spiritual confidence because you have seen what the Lord has done. The Israelites would set up stones of remembrance to be reminded of who God was and what God had done in the past. They could look back and see and be reminded that he parted the Red Sea. They could be reminded of the plagues that he brought on Egypt. They could be reminded that he washed all the Egyptians away in the sea. They could be reminded that he gave them manna in the wilderness and quail and that he brought water from the rocks. They could be reminded of what he has done. But we don't always see the Israelites walk up to the giant or walk up to the situation and go through it with flying colors. Oftentimes they go in fear. And oftentimes they look back, not at what the Lord has done, but where they have failed. And they'll lead through that. But the storms of preparation can bring spiritual confidence. I was thinking back to a situation I dealt with a couple years ago, and I was debating on whether or not I would share this tonight because it's really personal for me. Um, There's many of you in this room that know a man who is probably... um, probably one of my top two or three heroes in my life. I know you all have a couple people that you have just looked up to and you've learned a lot from, but a man named Mike Golding. And Mike was the, he and his wife, Miss Pam, were the mentors in our life group. And I've known Mike for 20 years. God brought them into our life group for the exact time that we needed them. Uh, we, were, we were struggling as a life group. Things were okay, but there was really, it was really stagnant. There wasn't a lot of growth going on. I'm not talking numerically. I'm talking personally in our lives. And God brought this guy named Mike into our life group. And Mike had a gentleness about him. And I know a lot of you know, Dwight, I'm looking at you. A lot of you know, knew Mike really well. Mike had this gentleness about him, but he also had this roaring lion inside of him. And he had this really incredible way of balancing those two things. But I walked through something in my life. It was a medical situation where I had gotten really, really sick and had some some stuff with my heart and spent about a week in the hospital and and almost died back in 2016. and, And it was a really scary time. And as I was coming out of that, there were all kinds of different things that I was walking through. And some of it was just medically induced, all the medicine that I was on. And I was walking through a very depressed time in my life. I I don't know if it was actual depression, but that's probably what it would have been labeled if I would have gone to somebody. And I walked through this for about three or four months. And the only person that really knew about it was my wife, because you can come to church and put a smile on and put your suit on and nobody knows. I know you would never do that, but I'm guilty of it. And so I would come to church and do that. One day my wife picked up the phone and she called Mike. And she said, Mike, you have to do something. And she said, he won't let me tell anybody, but I'm telling you anyways. And so she told him what was going on. So Mike called me. I didn't know my wife had called him. Mike called me and said, hey, you want to go to lunch? And if you ever ate lunch with Mike, nine times out of ten, you're going to go to Firebirds right over in front of Walmart. He loved that place. He, 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 he ate the salmon salad, and he wanted his lettuce chopped, not torn. I don't know what the difference is, but he liked it chopped. 
And so we're sitting at Firebirds, and he's just asking me, you know, what's new, all this stuff, and I'm not telling him anything. He finally looks at me, and he said, there's something going on in your life you're not telling me about. He just called it out. I just broke down. I just told him the whole thing. I told him what I was struggling with. I told him what I was walking through. I told him where my thought life was. And, I, and then Mike did something that I've, honestly, outside of my father, nobody's ever done with me. Mike opened his mouth and spoke scripture to me for almost 20 minutes straight. I don't know that he took a breath. He didn't pull out a Bible. He didn't pull out his phone. He just quoted scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture. If you have ever gone to an arcade and played a game where you've got the little joystick and the claw goes around and you try to find the teddy bear and you pick it up and drop it in there, that's exactly what God did to me on that day. I walked in there depressed and struggling. And the Lord utilized Mike to pick me up and set my feet on a solid ground. And as I thought about this this morning, I just cried like a baby thinking about the impact Mike had on me that day. A few weeks passed, I had gotten out of that, and Mike and I were having a conversation about where I was and how I was doing, and I said, Mike, I just don't understand. And he said, you know what? This is what he said. He said, I am confident that the Lord is all we need. I am confident that the Lord is all we need. And so I didn't try to give you encouragement in a way of like, you need to do this or you need to do that. He said, I just spoke scripture over you, and I let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does. There's a man that had spiritual confidence because he had walked through things in his own life and he had walked through things with other people and he knew that the only place we can go is to the feet of Jesus. And I think this is where David is because he's walked through a lion and a bear. He's had to grab them by the fur and, and, and strike them down. And so when he looks at Goliath, he can have a spiritual confidence, not in himself, not in his own abilities, not in his little bit of strength, not in the sling he has, not in the sword that Saul was going to lend him. He could have complete confidence in the Lord because of who he was and what he had done. So the storms of preparation can bring and give you spiritual confidence. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 2 says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you and the rivers will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched and the flame will not burn you. Isaiah 41 10 says, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be afraid for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you on to you with my righteous right hand. John 16, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world, but be courageous, I have conquered this world. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we can walk through the storms and we can walk through the trials and we can walk through the issues that are, we are facing because of who he is and because of what he's already done. This is the quote I wanted you to see. Dr. Rogers said, you are either going into a storm, coming out of a storm, or in the middle of a storm. So you have either experienced them, you're experiencing them now, or you're getting ready to experience some storms. I'm not telling you that to discourage you. I'm trying to bring reality to the situation. And so I want us to talk around the table just for a moment and answer this question. What does spiritual confidence practically look like today? Sometimes I think we talk on a philosophical level and a level up here that doesn't actually apply and can be implemented into our lives. 
So I want us to say, when we are confident in the Lord, what does that look like for you and I, practically speaking, on a day-to-day basis? I want you to discuss it around the table, sharpen each other, and encourage each other during this conversation. All right, guys, let's bring it back to the platform for just a few minutes. First thing we talked about is uh, the storms of preparation can give you spiritual confidence. Second thing I want us to look at is the storms of preparation can grow your dependency on him can grow your dependency on him. And, and I think this is exactly what BJ was talking about a few minutes ago, that, that, that David was at a place because of killing the, the bear and the lion, and he saw the hand of God move in that situation. He knew there was nothing. I mean, he's a runt. He's a little guy. Remember, he wasn't even supposed to be anointed as king. I mean, nobody was going to pick him, right? He's the, he's the youngest. He's the smallest. Nobody else in this army. You're telling me you have no green berets? You have no Navy SEALs. You have nobody that's special ops in all of this army that could even give it a chance to go against Goliath. And little David stepped up, not even a, a soldier, not even a warrior, not even, not even really ever had any training in this from a military standpoint, but he has a total and complete dependency upon the Lord. Let's look back at it. It says, I went after it, talking about the lion and the bear. He said, struck it down and rescued the lamb from its mouth. If it reared up against me, I would grab it by its front. I want you to just stop and think about that for a moment. David has got a lion that has come to take one of his lambs, maybe two. I mean, you know, if it's me, have at it, brother. You, you have those 10, I'll take the other 90 over there, okay? Just, you know. Just leave us alone. Do your thing. And I can bring you some extras if you'd like. David has gone after it to attack this thing, and he says, and if he reared his head up, I would just grab him. I mean, you think about it. He just grabbed him by the mane. Now, I do that with my little dog, but she stands about that high. I, I don't know. I mean, this lion. He says, uh, your servant has killed lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Look, he didn't say he's defied you, King Saul. He, it's not that he's making fun of us, it's that he's making fun of God. And so it says in verse 37, Then David said, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. Is it not interesting that Saul seems to have a confidence in David that he doesn't have in anybody else as well? kind of interesting that he, it seems, sees the hand of God on David. Now, that's going to come back to bite him later on, and we'll see some of that later on. But in this situation, he's like, you know what, brother? Go for it. You're the only one that's got the courage enough to do it. He didn't have courage in himself. He had a complete and total dependency upon the Lord. John 15, 5 says, this is what Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. You can do nothing without me. I'm going to tell you the time that I realized that was back in 2016 when I had those heart problems. Riley, you visited me at the hospital. I'll tell you all how afraid I am of shots. I had to have people come sit with me because I was scared to death to be in that hospital room by myself that they would come give me a shot. Riley thinks it's hilarious because he, he works in the medical field and deals with it all the time. Then they told me I was going to have to go home and give myself shots in the stomach for a year. I told them I'd rather die first. And so they said, well, we're going to have to train your wife to do it. And so every morning, 
My wife would come in there. I'd have to turn my head and put a pillow over my face, and she'd give me a shot in the stomach. I can't stand that stuff. But it was at that moment in the hospital when the doctor came in and said, I don't know how you made it. So I had blood clots in my leg. They broke off and became pulmon. I can't even say it. They're called PEs. They went to my, they went to my lungs. And the deal is if they go through your lungs, they kill you. And the doctor said, you got two or three of them in there, and it's not good. And I don't, I don't know how you're here. And uh, I remember Drew Tucker called me. And he said, I, I answered the phone. I was laying there. I was writhing in pain. I answered the phone. He said, it's just good to hear your voice. And I said, well, the doctor said I shouldn't be here. He said, no, you shouldn't be here based off what the doctors are saying. And when I hung up the phone with him, I knew nothing about blood clots. I knew nothing about PEs. I didn't understand anything about that. I started reading, and I realized I can do nothing. I can do nothing apart from the Lord. Nothing. I can't breathe on my own. I told, uh, I got to, I, I, just, I just saw him. Where, I came out to the chapel. Where do you, there you are. I came out to chapel yesterday out with, your, out, with your fam, out with your family, yes, yesterday, and got to speak to the students out there out in Collierville. And I, and I think I told them this yesterday. We, even, even if we could, even if we could breathe on our own, we can't produce the oxygen to breathe. I mean, we can't do anything. And David completely understood that. And what happens oftentimes is the Lord will take us through difficult situations. He'll take us through storms to get us to a point where we realize we can't do anything on our own and all we have is the Lord. And to be honest with you, there's no sweeter place to be. You know what happened to me in that hospital during that time? Although physically I was hurting and struggling, my faith grew. My relationship with the Lord grew. And we saw the hand of God in that situation. But what happened was it drove me and my family to total dependency on the Lord. And what happens with David is David has experienced and seen the hand of God, and he has become totally and completely dependent upon the Lord. So I want us to take a few moments and talk through this. Why do some people go away from the Lord, and yet some people go to the Lord during or after a storm? I told you, my wife went to the Lord. Now, I think God strategically placed some people in her life to help guide her into that. But she has some family members that went far away from the Lord. And we have prayed now for 20 years that the Lord would bring them back to himself. And over the last couple of years, we begin to see some movement in some of their lives, and we're praising the Lord for that, that they may come back to the Lord. But, but why is it? Why is it that sometimes... You are willing to run straight to the feet of Jesus and pray and seek the Lord in a situation, but other times it seems like a struggle. We go into fix-it mode and we try to do it on our own. Why, why is that? Is that just kind of how men are made up? What, what, what determines that? How do we deal with that? So take a few moments, talk about it around your table. We'll come back in a few minutes. All right, guys, let's come back to the platform. So... <clears throat> talk about the storms of preparation can give you spiritual confidence, can grow your dependency on the Lord, and thirdly, they can guide you to a deeper faith. They can guide you to a deeper faith. I think about different things that I've walked through in my life, and I have watched God's hand, and it's one of those things that the closer you get to the Lord and the more you see his heart, 
the, your, your faith grows and, and you trust him more. I see that same with my children. But when I was five, six years old, my dad was electrocuted. Uh, I, some of you know this story, but my dad was an electrician for Tyson's Chicken, and he was electrocuted. It blew out palm of his hand and holes in his arm and a disc out his back, and he hung up on the ladder, was, was lifeless. They pulled him down and did CPR, and seven times that morning, his heart stopped. And uh, they took him to the hospital. He was in a coma. They said he would never come out. People began to pray. We weren't in church at that point in my life. I was five. It was 1990. And I, I remember the knock on the door, and I remember the police officer telling my mama that she had to go to the hospital with him right now. And I remember my grandfather, who wasn't in church at the time either, just praying and just praying and just praying. And I remember him calling. He got off the yellow page and just started calling churches in northwest Arkansas, just asking them to pray. And over the next 24 hours, the doctor came in and said, he's going to be a vegetable. He's, he's not going to be able to talk. He's not going to be able to walk. He's, he's not going to remember anything if he comes out of the coma. And churches began praying, and people began praying and the next morning, he came out of the coma, and he was talking up a storm. Now, he couldn't remember hardly anything. He remembered my mom, but he thought they were dating. It took him about six months to regain a lot of that back. And you better believe, come the next Sunday, my grandfather found a church and joined it, and to my knowledge, had never missed another day. I mean, I grew up in a house, I may have told you this, but I grew up in a house where if you woke up on Sunday morning and said you were sick, they would tell you to throw up and prove it. And then if you threw up, they would say, now, don't you feel better? Let's go to church, okay? We went to church, all right? That's just how it was. It was because my mom and my dad and my grandfather and my grandmother had seen God's hand move. And they were never the same. And I remember my dad not being able to drive to work because he couldn't remember where he worked. And I remember all those things, and I saw the faithfulness of God. They said he would never walk again. It took him a while to regain all of that. They said he'll never run again. I had the opportunity to play college basketball. I did not beat my father in one-on-one. -on -one. His accident, I was five years old. I did not beat him in a game of one-on-one -on -one until my senior year of high school. God just brought him back to full health. It's unbelievable. He's 61 years old. Well, he's turned 61 in two weeks, he's got a lot of health problems. And I asked him about a year ago, I said, hey, Dad, you've got all these health problems. You've got all these issues. You struggle. You've got a lot of headaches and all those things, back and neck and everything. And I said, do you have any regrets? And he said, Derek, if I could go back and do it over again, I would not change one thing except I would have gotten our family in church earlier. But he said, I would not ask the Lord to keep my accident away from me. Because he said, it has brought me to a place where I'm totally and completely dependent upon the Lord. And my faith grew in such a way that I never would have gone to that place without that accident. What happened was, is he had walked through a storm and it had prepared him for the future. David had killed the lion. He had killed the, the bear. And this is what he says. Uh, he says... The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Do you remember when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego told the king, you can throw us in the fire, 
We may die, we may live, but we are going to worship the Lord our God. That's what we're going to do. You see, they had a faith that was like a rock because they had seen God move. They had walked through things in the past and they had seen the faithfulness of God. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 gives us a picture of what faith is. It says, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. Sometimes you and I walk through things and we do not understand. And it does not make sense. And then God does things. Sometimes we see his hand move and sometimes we don't. When Mike Golding died, I couldn't believe it. Because I had prayed over him and I know Many men in this room had prayed over him and pastor had prayed. There were people all over the world that were praying. I believed with all my heart God was going to heal him from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. I had no doubt, no doubt whatsoever God was going to heal him at all. And when we got the call that he had passed away and we needed to go over to the house and we got there and the family was singing the goodness of God in the room as Mike laid there lifeless, I couldn't believe it. About four or five months ago, I got a text from a dear pastor friend of mine named Jody Johnson. Some of you may know him. He used to work on staff here in this building. I met him right here on this floor. We were sweeping this floor together, Mark, together. I met him right there. Jody texted me. He said, call me Mike Golding. Now, Mike had been gone two years. I said, what in the world? I called him immediately. I said, I said what, 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 what's going on? He said, you will not believe what God has done at our church. I said, well, tell me about it. He said, we've got a guy that's been coming to our church now for about two, three years. Two years, three years, something like that. He said, he came to me this morning. He called me. He said, Pastor, i got to come to the church right now and talk to you. He said, okay. So the guy walks in. He sits down. He said, Pastor Jody, he said, i got to join the church. And Jody said, I thought, you, I thought you were a member. You're here all the time. Every time the doors are open, you're here. You're always doing stuff. You're always greeting people. You're always here. I thought you were a member. He said, I've never joined. I've got to join, and I need you to baptize me. I, I've never been baptized, and it's time for me to walk in obedience and baptism. He said, I got saved about five years ago. And Jody said, well, we, can you tell me about the salvation experience? Tell me about when you came to know the Lord. He said, I'd be happy to you. He said about five or six years ago, you don't know this, but I was previously married and my wife passed away from cancer. He said the day that she was diagnosed with breast cancer, he said, we didn't go to church. He said, I'll be honest with you, I don't know that I really believed in the Lord. And he said, I decided that we had to do something and we had to call somebody to pray over my wife because I just wanted to do anything we could. We're going to the doctors, but I thought if there's a God out there, then we're going to pray to him. He said, so I pulled out my cell phone, and I opened up the contact list, and I just started scrolling through, trying to look and find somebody that went to church. And he said, I made it all the way to the G's before I found somebody. And he said, then I ran across this guy named Mike Golding. He said, see, we, we work in the same field. We're both, we both own HVAC companies. And he said, I've seen Mike all over this, the, 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 this area. And he said, I've worked alongside Mike. And he said, I always heard Mike talking about the Lord. I always heard Mike praying. I always heard Mike talking about Jesus. And I knew if anybody would pray for us, he would. So he called Mike. He said, Mike, you remember me? He said, yes. He said, Mike, my wife got diagnosed with cancer. And, 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 and is there any way you could come to our house and pray? He said, sure. 
Mike said, I can be there in an hour. Now, if you know anything about Mike, Mike was not just going to go there and pray over. What, what, what was Mike going to do, those of you that know him? He's going to share the gospel. I mean, he's going to pull his Bible out, he's going to share the gospel. He pulls his Bible out, he shares the gospel, the man gets saved, the wife gets saved, and they fall in love with Jesus. And a year passes, and she passed away from cancer. And that guy said, God gave me extra time with my wife so we could grow in our faith together. And so he joined this church out in Atoka, and he said, because of God using Mike Golding in my life, I will never be the same. When Jody told me that story, I hung up the phone, not ever understanding why God took Mike when he did. I picked up the phone, and I called Miss Pam. She was at the beach, Mike's wife. And I shared it with her, and she just wept. And she said, you know, Derek, when you walk with the Lord, and when you talk about the Lord, and when you tell people about the Lord, you will never know the impact you have on other people. She shared it with her children. I shared it with my children. And we were reminded that in the middle of one of the worst storms ever, God was at work. And my faith grew. David had walked through this with a lion and a bear in preparation for something that he did not know was coming. He knew nothing of Goliath at that time. But God was preparing him. So I want to ask you a question for you personally. What are you walking through right now? What's your family walking through? Maybe you say nothing. I've got to call a guy tonight. I just found out his father passed away. Didn't know anything about it. I've got to call him when we leave here. Check on him. What I'm reminded is we walk by people in the worship center and in this room and at work each and every day, and they're going through all kinds of stuff, and if we don't talk about it, nobody knows. So I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know what storm you're dealing with. You and I know, I know what storm your family's walking through because we're praying about it, aren't we? And we're talking about it, and we're going to continue to pray about it. But I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know what storms you have walked through. I don't know what storm you're walking through right now. I don't know what storm you're getting ready to walk through. But I know this. God is a good, good father. And when we walk through storms, oftentimes he is preparing us for something that's coming. Oftentimes, though, we walk through a storm not for us, but the people that are around us. Because remember what Saul said? May the Lord go with you. You see, Saul saw something in David because David was faithful to the Lord. I want to remind you of this verse. Romans 8.28 says this, We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. I don't believe every bad thing and every storm that we walk through, God reached down and said, boom. But I do believe he will take all of those things and use them to glorify himself to grow our faith, to give us spiritual confidence in him and to drive us to a place of total dependency upon him. So here's what I want you to do. I told you I was going to give you some time back tonight because I went three minutes over last week, and we're going to do that. But before I do, I want you to do this. I want you to pray over each other. Now, don't get alarmed. 
I know some of you are thinking, I've never prayed out loud. I don't want to pray over anybody, and I'm not pressuring you into praying over anybody. But what I would love to see happen in this room is for one, two, three guys to get together in a little cluster. Maybe it's, you know, two or three at this side and two or three at this side and whatever, whatever number it is. I'm not telling you what number it has to be. You know, Brother Steve does that sometimes in service, getting twos or threes. That's what I'm encouraging you to do. And I don't want you to sit there and share what storm you're walking through. I just want you to pray over the guy to your right. And when you get done praying for whatever he's walking through, although you don't know what it is, I want that guy to pray for the guy to his right. And if you say, hey, I'm not comfortable praying, will you, you just share with the guy right there, hey, will you pray over me right now? And I'll, I'll pray for you sometime this week, okay? I don't, want you to, I don't want you to feel pressured. But I want us to go to the Lord on behalf of the person beside us. Because here's something else I found out about storms. When you think you're walking through something, there's people all around you walking through a lot of stuff too. And sometimes when we get our eyes off of ourselves and place it on the Lord, sometimes when we look at what other people are going through, it allows us to see it from a complete different light. So I want you to take a few minutes around the table. I want you to pray to the guy to the right. You've got about five minutes, and then I'll close this in prayer. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for these men. And Lord, it is so good to hear them interceding on behalf of another guy. Lord, I don't know what they're walking through, but Lord, I do know who's walking with them. So, Lord, I pray you'll give these men wisdom where they need wisdom. I pray you'll give them clarity where they need clarity. I pray you'll give them courage where they need courage. I pray you'll guide them where they need to be guided. I pray you'll give them peace that passes all understanding. I pray you'll give them joy that cannot be removed by the evil one or the world around them. I pray the devil will have no place of discouragement, division, or depression in their hearts or minds. I pray you'll be Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our banner over them. I pray you'll go before them and fight their battles for them. Lord, I pray right now, whatever they're walking through, Lord, that their faith will grow that they'll become more dependent upon you. And Lord, that their confidence will not be in themselves, but it'll be in you because of who you are and what you have done. Bless these men tonight. We love you and pray this in your precious name. Amen.